Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. So Diana, I thought we could do a little bit of a follow-up and you and I were having a discussion just before this and having some similar experience or some similar challenge in this broader concept of disclosure and non-disclosure and how that shows up for us and what feels important about that and what feels challenging about that. And I had a conversation with my therapist actually, and she's kind of got me in another frame of mind that's creating even more challenges for me. (laughs) (laughs) So doing her job, but go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I think the key thing that has me questioning because to just bring listeners up to, I guess, where my mind was or what I'm recalling about where it was the last time we did a recording was I was really working through the process of considering engaging with a small number of people and disclosing that Samantha is transgender. Again, with the intention of creating allyship, creating some community, helping us begin to navigate and think about what might really happen if and when, you know, some level of disclosure were were to occur and using the nudge of this upcoming move that we have planned as a good way to say, well, if something, you know, kind of bad or if things weren't great, I'm closing the door on those relationships anyways, and we can move on. So that's where I was. And then I had this conversation with my therapist and she asked the question or she really pushed on this concept of do no harm that as parents and maybe just in life in general, that that's kind of a theme or a concept, a way of living is mm-hmm. a belief around choosing to not do harm. And she brought it up in such a way that helped me realize or has me thinking about how I want to believe in humanity in terms of people being good human beings and not wanting to do harm and realizing that maybe that's not always true. And that what I want to be optimistic about, you know, um, could perhaps turn bad or could cause harm. And so it has me second guessing this whole kind of plan that I was creating in my mind around a next step for us as we're navigating all the changes that are upcoming. So what you mean is being optimistic that if people heard it, they wouldn't spread it, take it to the news, harass you, but that what you're realizing is, yes, you want to believe that. However, you recognize that there's no way to think that it's going to be a hundred percent true. Exactly. I'd love to believe that even if somebody wasn't going to be supportive, right, they would choose to respect our privacy and maintain that information confidentially, like as I would ask and request them to do, but that trying to just imagine that maybe there would be a circumstance or an instance in which maybe they would even promise or make some commitment to do so. And then something changes and they make a different choice. 
which there are stories of it, of that, exactly that through the different parent networks. And there's stories of not that. So all things are possible, but that's exactly it. There's no guarantee. So where does that leave you now? Oh my gosh. Well, it leaves me with continuing to recognize that parenting is so hard. (laughs) So hard. (laughs) You're just realizing that? Oh my God. (laughs) Continuing to realize that, right? Like I was telling a friend, I was like, oh my gosh, I thought, you know, my life was hard when I found out I was having twins. And then I navigated the next couple of years of having twins. And I was like, I thought that was hard. And I had no idea what my future (laughs) was. (laughs) But let's be clear. The hard part for those listening is not the gender diversity. The hard part is the rest of (laughs) y'all. Yeah. If we lived in our own little bubble, like we'd be totally fine. And we live in a society where for folks who do not have this direct experience or close visibility or insight to this experience, understanding it doesn't come easily. Right. And I was sharing with you, I mean, I think um, I have not been as optimistic as you. I think that's been clear. (laughs) But I've been trying to decide too, as I try to take a more active role in educating and supporting families, doing more than what I have been doing. And as I've been doing it, I've done it without saying I'm a parent. And I always joke around like some some of it is just who I am. I'm like, go ahead. Like I present myself in a way that I don't think people dare to ask. (laughs) Wait, so to be clear, Diane, I think you're saying so to date as you engage with people in this space of advocacy or education, you don't say I am a parent of a transgender youth. You say what? I say I've been educating for almost 10 years now. And I have helped healthcare providers, families, schools, communities understand gender. And and sometimes I throw in a few other things like journalists and medical societies and things like that. And usually that's like, and I'm a retired OBGYN. That's another thing that helps me too, right? And so people hear all that and they're like, okay. (laughs) So they don't have any more questions beyond that. I that and I don't welcome more questions. Like it's very matter of fact. It's like, boop, statements over. There's no more questions to be asked. Yeah, sort of like these are the credentials and why you should respect or trust the insights I'm here to share. Yeah, I say it with confidence. Like you need no more. And, you know, Arthur and I have been talking about this that I also think I would welcome in more people, particularly parents, if they knew I was a parent. And and as I think about that, like I would never do that without talking to Clark first. And I wouldn't name Clark. I would just say a child, even though I have two. To be clear for our listeners, you have four children, two of which are in this gender creative space. Exactly. So saying that I'm a parent of two gender diverse kids... I don't know. I feel like it's too much information. I think I'd probably even just say, and I don't like lying either. So I don't think I'd say one. I'd just say I have experience as a parent and leave it at that. And to the point of your therapist, like I realize like if I say this, there's kind of like I let, there's no going back. You go, you can come out, but you can't go back in. 
and even though I'm not coming out like this child, right? But it's like, I worry about the harassment. You know, I worry about the harassment. I worry about finding our address, our phone numbers and doing that. Because I remember talking to Debbie Jackson, a well-known parent advocate, and she talked about being harassed and that you can't investigate threats unless like there's certain language, certain things have to be said to for like authorities to get involved. And so they would get called and harassed and it would be everything up to that line. So they couldn't do anything to investigate it, but they lived, you know, with fear knowing this. And it's like, I don't, that idea of do no harm. One thing would be of just me, like I wouldn't enjoy it, but if my kids were affected by that and having to deal with that, I just, um, am I being selfish to want to add that to my credentials to say that I'm a parent so that I can help more people, but this is this is the price on the line, even though I don't think it's the most likely thing to happen, but it's possible. Oh my gosh, that phrase of the price on the line, that kind of like really hits me. Well, I think about like, if that were to happen, would I be able to stand strong in the sense of my decision? Like, yes, this is the price and this is what we're doing because we're helping more people. We're educating more people. This is how we get it done. Or am I going to be like, I didn't have to do that. And now my kids are like in fear and traumatized. And now we're moving too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. These are such challenging times because there's it feels like the world around us, right, has this very strong political, which is turning into legal, like, decisions. And it's so hard to know. Well, there's no way to know, like, how the humans in our lives feel about it. Like, I'm trying to figure out, is there a way to have a conversation and, like, feel it out without disclosing somehow? To like, you know, feel out and reduce that risk to be like, oh, you know, like somehow bring up the news and see what reaction or response there is. That's exactly what I was going to say is bring up the news, you know, you and there's so many different ways you could bring up the news neutrally. Like, oh, did you see that story or do you see what Missouri did? <laughs> um, did you see what Missouri did or something like that? Or even if you really want to be challenging, say, you know. Like, I see that they don't want to give gender-affirming health care to kids. And I I don't agree with this one. Every major medical organization supports it. It concerns me to have legislation going against the standards of medical care. That would be a little more bold because you're stating <laughs> you're stating your opinion, but I also think that with the neutral way, people are more willing to shrug shoulders and say nothing. But when you give an opinion, I mean, it can go both ways. It really depends on the people, right? Some people maybe feel more welcome to say because they don't know where you stand. Some people are moved to say more when either somebody agrees with them or even they really disagree. And I feel like this topic especially is so polarizing that sometimes it's hard for people to be quiet. Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. And maybe that's kind of my path forward is some version of coming up with some options and thinking through the potential 
individuals or families I had in mind and finding a way to navigate. The thing that's interesting though, is that what comes up for me is recognizing that in general, I don't talk about the news with people. Right. I was thinking that about you. Like, that'd be strange. <laughs> They'll be like, "What? why are we talking about this? Why yeah. is Joy talking about the news? Since when does Joy watch the news? <laughs> oh my gosh. So and Diane, what we were just talking about for our listeners, maybe why it's even funnier for us, is that we were just talking about how I was acknowledging that this is maybe the first time in my life where obviously I'm listening to the news about a topic like this. And in the past, I really don't pay attention to stuff that doesn't impact me or doesn't, you know, feel relevant. And I was imagining how many people are like me that wouldn't, you know, really engage in this topic or have any desire to truly understand or or seek information about it because it doesn't relate to them. And that creates this extra like barrier of, oh my gosh, how can I now connect or how can I figure out? you know, how to engage with people or how we jump this fast divide. I look for winks. And this is a term I heard a DEI trainer say, so DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they were explaining that sometimes people will look for winks, meaning little indicators of understanding. And and she gave the example, we were on Zoom. So she gave the example of like me, I have my pronouns after my name. And she was like, see, Diana's giving a wink to the fact that, you know, we don't know for sure, but maybe she knows something about gender or she might be a person you could feel comfortable talking to about gender, that wink of. And so I look for and listen for winks. Like, do people use binary language? Do people, and I'm not saying if people use binary language, they're completely out, but they're definitely not in. <laughs> so I listen for how people describe people and, you know, so I, I, that's some of the things I also listen for. Yeah. It's, that's really good insight. And I'm back to like, oh my gosh, how do I have conversation with some of these people that, um, you know, like if it's not in a work context where I'm not seeing their zoom window with their <laughs> pronouns, you know, and the only time I see them is at a volleyball event for my daughter, you know. I, I listen for gender roles too, right? Like if they're like, oh, you know, she's a girl. Like that, door closes. I'm like, and, and again, I'm fully aware to our audience that that may not be the case. But I I think for safety reasons, it's like I can't afford you know, to, it, it, you're not totally out. I'm not saying anybody that uses language is a bad person. Be very, very clear. But if I'm trying to figure who's most likely to be knowledgeable and safe, that's what I'm listening for. How do they describe things? How do they describe people? You know, do they assume somebody's spouse is of the opposite sex or partners of the opposite sex? This is what I listen for. And that is an everyday conversation. That's true. Those are really good insights. The concept of partner, right? Do people use that language or do they make assumptions about heterosexual heterosexuality? You know, I just had another thought and I'm really curious for your perspective on it because I remember having a perspective and being surprised. And that is this, I am curious about to what extent do you believe it's fair to make an assumption that medical providers, 
including nurses, right? So people in the medical profession have any more insight about this concept of gender diversity, gender identity than anyone else in the population. Cause I'm thinking of somebody right now who's a nurse and I'm like, Oh, does that give her, you know, does, might that make her more educated or informed about this? And I, I say that cause I'm, I'm curious now. I remember you know, six, seven years ago, engaging with a physician and they had no concept, like no concept at all. And so I sort of wrote that off as, okay, this isn't really a topic in, you know, in education to date or being educated as a physician does not mean you have any additional insights around the concepts of gender diversity or what that means. But I'm curious, what do you think? I think it varies. I don't think just because someone's a nurse or physician that they know Now, I think they should, but I don't think they do. And a lot of the research around gender as far as pathophysiology, so brain functions, neurotransmitters, things like that, really began in 2000. I graduated from medical school in 2000. So that was after my time of learning general medical stuff before I began to focus. And that was just the beginning. So even then, like, so I I think the medical education is now. However, I can tell stories on both sides. So same as I do with everyone else, I listen for the wink. I look at people when they make you fill out forms, how do they write those forms? When they ask for gender, how did they ask for it? So those are like the little winks. What do they do to use neutral language in their welcoming, in their signage and everything? So I look for the winks there too. But I also think, just to be really clear, you know, talking about do I disclose as part of part of the work that I do to help more people? Like sometimes that feels selfish to put my family on the line, and which is something you talked about in that last recording is that we know that when we put a name and a face, you know, to a subject matter, any subject matter, that we get more buy-in, more understanding. We create bridges. Not always, because some people are going to burn that down, but but that's some of it too. It's like, how do we, we do the podcast to try to make a difference? How do we keep, and like, and it now more than ever, it feels there's such a deep feeling of need to share what we know and Even Arthur said to me yesterday, it's getting really hard to stay silent. I just can't figure out where to speak. Beautiful. I think that that summarizes it so well. It's getting so hard to remain silent, but where do we speak? Yes. And I think he means like, where will it be received? And yeah, where will it be received? And where... I don't know. I think that's the main thing. Where will it be received? Even when I talk to people, I don't expect them to talk to me and then boom, change their mind. I think of it like planting a seed. Are they open enough to take it in? They don't have to change how they think about things, but are they at least like pondering it over, thinking it, holding it up against their own worldview? That's where my goal is becomes. <laughs> Can I plant a seed? Yes. I love that. And I think that is reminding me of one of the conversations, you know, that I had with a friend and I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but his reaction was, you know, I'm not sure how I would feel if my daughter's friend, you know, 
if their parents came and told me that they'd been hanging out for the last seven years and apparently that individual has a penis. Like that's what he said. He was like, and he, he referenced a sporting analogy. He was talking about on the football or soccer pitch. He's an international gentleman. You know, when there's like a bad player situation happens, the initial reaction is like, is violence, like to punch somebody. (laughs) And he was like, so you have to be prepared for the first reaction. And it might be something that, you know, is instinctual. And he, he was encouraging me to be open to the second reaction. So sort of come in knowing the first reaction might not be respectful, but that look for giving that individual a period of space and time to do that reflection, just as you were saying, Diana. Okay. I'm glad you clarified that because at first I was like, <laughs> are we justifying the panic defense? And if you don't know what that is, listeners, look it up. But it's the justification that you can kill a transgender person because you found out and you panicked. It's actually legal in many states. So that's at first what I thought. You're like, you have to be ready for that first reaction, which is violent. I was like, oh, uh-uh, no, I don't. But the other part of that too is where the education point is needed. That, you know, I don't know how I'd feel if somebody with a penis. There's so many assumptions that there's a marriage between genitalia and I don't know, so much, so many assumptions there. Yes. Between sexuality and identity and behaviors and so many things. And I think the sooner that we divorce gender from anatomy, the better off we will be. Totally agree. And as I feel like we've explored before, that's not where our society is. And I was feeling devastated the other day when I was like, again, looking at options and considering things. I was like, well, what if we send Samantha to a private school, a local private school is Catholic. I was looking up all the Catholic stuff and I was like, (laughs) yeah, no. Right. (laughs) And so it very much is for a lot of society, whether it comes from religious basis or whatever, the concept of identity is truly a binary according to sex and they truly identify gender and sex as the same thing. Like, I think that that is a reality for some people. And I think that it will take us a period of time as a society, as human beings to separate those. Even though gender and sex are not binary. I know that's my biggest. (laughs) As a reality right now. I know. It's just, they they don't know that. How do they not acknowledge that? Like, that's like so easily proven and not just in human beings, but across. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm with you. I was like, just read an article not that long ago about sexual dimorphism in butterflies and how common it is, right. For like, right. you know, the male and the female aspects or the coloration of the butterfly to be in both and whatever, like it's, it happens. These are real things and it's silly to ignore them. Exactly. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. 
Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana. 